Like your pastor said, I want to say thank you so much for having us. It has been a blessing to be here. Your pastor has shown us hospitality. He has welcomed us in, and he has just been a blessing. Him and his family had a good time uh, at their house. Got to send the kids down to the basement. They were like on a slide. They were having fun, and the adults got to have fun too because they were in the basement, and so it was awesome. So, uh, so thankful to be here, and we are going to England. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an odd um, track that we've taken, you know, to get to England. You go through Kansas sometimes. So, okay, that was a joke, y'all. It's okay to laugh this morning, all right? So I know it's cold and rainy, but that's okay. It's all right. We can have smiles, all right? So I got a few of them out there. I appreciate that. Deuteronomy chapter number four this morning. Um, God's used this text really just to challenge me on such a regular basis that it's almost embarrassing at times. Have you ever had that where where you heard something preached or you had a lesson that you felt like God taught you and then you needed the reminder again and again and again and again? Anybody else like that in here? Okay, yeah, we have a handful. And those of you that say you're not, we can raise our hand anyway, right? Okay, glad and glad we're smiling this morning, good. Deuteronomy chapter number four, we're gonna cover the first 13 verses. I wanna read one to you. We're gonna cover them all and we'll read them all through the... Through the um, through the rest of the uh, sermon, but just verse number nine with me, okay? Look at verse number nine, chapter number four of Deuteronomy. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Let's pray, and we'll get into the message, okay? Father, we're grateful for your word. Lord, I ask that you just speak to hearts this morning. Help us, Lord, to settle in and focus on you. And Lord, help us now to decide our hearts are going to be softened to hear what you have for us and also to respond in obedience to you. Lord, we love you and we're so thankful for the ability to gather and sing to you and pray to you. But Lord, we want to hear from you now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I grew up in Texas. I don't know if you hate that or not. I know when I'm in Oklahoma, it's very mixed reviews. Okay, there we go. Good job. Thank you for that. All right, sorry. I won't call anybody else out that laughs. That means you should all laugh at some point or another. So I grew up in Texas, and that means that in Texas, a lot of times, you know, you have a dad that looks Texan. Now, we're in southwest Kansas, so I may be describing your dad as well when I describe mine. My dad wore cowboy boots at, like, all times. He had a pair of boots for doing the dirtiest job you'll ever do, and he had a pair of boots for going to church, and he had a pair of boots for everywhere else in between. You know what I mean? He had a pair of boots that he would be sitting in his pajama pants in his recliner at home in his boots, okay? That was my dad. He also wore Wranglers, and in his younger years, he would take the time to starch them, you know what I'm talking about, and burn the crease into the middle, so much so that they would stand, you know, without a person in them. You know, are you following me? Okay, so we got the boots, the Wranglers, and then he'd wear the, the, the leather belt with, uh, like, I call them wispies. I don't know what they are. Paisleys, it's got the leather work on there, you know what I mean? And if he wasn't so cheap, but he was, and so he never spent the money to do this, but he would have his last name on the back, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, and then this is where it gets super, in my opinion, redneck. He would have his blue Wranglers on, and then depending on how old the Wrangler shirt was, it could match the exact same denim as his pants. 
And so he had a, he had a um, what did I, I called, I called this his Texas two-piece, okay? It was denim on denim. I called him Denim Bob sometimes. His name was Steve, but I called him Denim Bob just to give him a hard time. And so he'd have the pearl snaps, you know, and like I said, all the way from one that had the sleeves ripped off because you're doing a nasty job to this is my church denim shirt. You, are you following me? And then somewhere along the way, it would make its way down and be in the rotation for a horrible job, but then he'd have a new church shirt. So he's denim on denim, he's got the boots, he's got the belt, and then he had, in his later years, a beard, and then a handlebar mustache. Now his handlebar mustache, he didn't curl it for the longest time, and then he started to curl it, and I walked into his bathroom one time, and he had an Elmer's glue, uh, stick, like stick glue. And I walked out of the bathroom, I said, Dad, what is this for, and why is it in the bathroom? He's like, that's what, uh, that's what I curl my mustache with. I'm like, Dad, it's purple. He's like, I know it's purple. It goes on purple, but it dries clear. I promise. And so he curls his mustache with, this, with the Elmo's glue, and then, you know, then he's got the cowboy hat. I mean, if you're not going to top it off with the cowboy hat, it's got to be a trucker one with, like, some Texas saying up here. So do you, you got the image of my dad, maybe someone else in your family that matches that image. And if they're anything like my dad was, he had these one-liners that he would say to the family all the time. And that was like his way of, of teaching us like his philosophy of life. You know what I mean? And so my dad, he would always warn Callie. He'd tell her when we were at a Mexican restaurant, for whatever reason, he didn't think that she was, you know, Texan enough yet to know this. Um, but he would always look at the hot sauce and he'd say, now, Callie, look at that hot sauce right there. Don't get that in your eye because it'll burn for a week. And I'm like, Dad, she knows this. And, and, you know, he'd be like, I'm just telling her. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And he'd always say, I'm just saying. He was a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, I'm sure none of you are. And if you are, you're disappointed, just like me this year. And if you're a Chiefs fan, Mahomes was in Lubbock, so I can be a Chiefs fan for a minute, okay? And so my dad was a Dallas Cowboys fan. He'd always say this. He'd, he'd turn the game off probably midway through the first quarter or right at halftime and not watch the rest of it. And he would yell from his recliner, the Cowboys will never win a Super Bowl until Jerry Jones doesn't own the team. And he would yell that all the time. Like, this is his philosophy of life, okay? He was a passionate man. Now, there's some more serious things that he would say, um, but they're not as fun. You know what I mean? And so he would say this all the, way, all the time as well. He said, you couldn't pay me to live in California. And he would say that all the time. I mean, all the time. Now, here's the serious one that I want to get to. He would tell me this all the time. He'd say, son, you can learn something from everyone you meet. Isn't that, isn't that good advice? You can learn something from everyone you meet. And, and I tell you that line, I tell you about my dad, because we kind of, the, the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy Moses is giving, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit, he is giving this new generation of Israelites the law of God. But he starts it off, the first three chapters, where he's telling them over and over and over again, remember, remember. And he tells them to remember this or remember that or remember this or remember that. And Moses is reminding the people of things that God had done in these first three chapters and then we get to the fourth chapter, and it says, Now therefore, hearken, in verse number one. And so the idea that I always tell whenever I would preach, the, uh, tell people the word therefore, it's this. Now, because of everything I just said, listen to what I have to say now. Because of everything God has done, listen to this. 
He says, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you. So this is another way of saying the law of God or the word of God. And so he says, you need to listen to the law of God and the word of God that I'm teaching you right now. That ye may live, and here's, here's the reason, here's the blessing of obeying God's word. That ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Now, Remember that this generation of Israelites had just got done walking through the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. I just turned 30, like in November, the end of November, so I'm pretty early on in the 30 game. And I can't imagine 10 more years of my life walking through the desert. Can you imagine? 40 years. And so there, they've been, they've been walking through the desert for 40 years, and, and, and it's all because... They sent spies after exiting Egypt very early on into the promised land. And you know the kid's song, right? Ten were bad and two were good. And because two of the spies came out of the promised land and they said, God's given us the land, let's do it. And the other ten said, there's giants and we're scared. And so God, because of that, because of their lack of faith in him and his promises, God punished that generation and said, everyone below this age will survive, and everyone above will pass on and not go into the promised land. Now, that's intense, isn't it? But it took 40 years. So they walked through the desert for 40 years, and now Moses is addressing this new generation of Israelites, and he's telling them this, obey God's word, and you will, you will benefit from the promises of God, but you must obey. And that's what these first eight verses are about. Look at this. Ye shall not add unto the word, which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Verse number two, here's the idea. Don't add and don't take away from God's word. Because if you add to God's word, you're going to be doing things he's, he told you not to do. And if you take away from God's word, you're not going to be doing everything he said to do. Now, in verse number three and verse number four, actually, Moses gives them an example of when their nation added and took away from the word of God. Look at verse three. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor. Now, I don't remember Baal Peor off the top of my head personally. You may be a Bible scholar, so you're going to get a review this morning. But for the rest of us, Baal Peor is this. It happened in the book of Numbers during their, their time of wilderness wanderings. And some of the Israelite men, the Bible says, joined themselves to the Canaanites. And when they did this, they were worshiping the false idols, and they were what involved in that worship, also fornicating with the Canaanites. This was a no-no. This is what God said, do not do. And because all of that was going on, God called Moses and the leadership of Israel together, and he said, here is my judgment for those that joined themselves to Baal Peor. He said, kill everyone that's been involved. And while you're executing that judgment, a plague began to roll through the Israelite camp and killing thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people because of the sin of others, the entire nation was being affected. So during all the animosity of the judgment being uh, executed and the plague rolling through the camp, people began to gather at the door of the tabernacle, crying out to God and crying out to Moses to talk to the Lord, to stop the plague. From that crowd at the door of the tabernacle came the Israelite man and the Canaanite woman that started everything. A zealous leader of Israel named Phinehas took a spear, killed them both, and the plague stopped. Welcome to Sunday morning service, right? That is an intense story. But all of that to say, 
when the nation of Israel would have heard, your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor, they would have remembered right off the top of their head. Look at the rest of verse 3 with me. <clears throat> For all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. But ye, notice the language there, but ye, but you that did cleave, that held on to the Lord, that stayed close to the Lord, your God, are alive, every one of you, this day. Now take note of verse 5 with me. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land, whither ye go to possess it. Now, <clears throat> I want to take note of, of verse number 5 because it reminds us that the Israelites heard what God said through Moses. Moses would go to the mountain and God would speak to Moses. Moses would come down and he would say, thus saith the Lord. And he would tell them what God had said. And he's reminding them, I've told you exactly what he said. And if I hadn't done that, God would have punished me. So what I need to do, I need to tell you exactly what he said and you need to do exactly what he has said. Verse six, keep therefore, because I've told you exactly what God has told me to tell you, do the word of God, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, <clears throat> which shall hear all these statutes, which will hear all of, this, all of the words of God and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there <coughs> who hath God so nice, so close unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation <clears throat> is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? And Moses, he's just reminding the people that the word of God that he's, that he's taught them is, makes them wise. It helps them understand the place in their life that they are in. And then also, it reminds them, look at verse number 8 with me again, that their laws are righteous. The laws of the influences of the, the carnal uh, culture around them in the land of Canaan, their laws were not righteous. And, and for me personally, I'm, like I'm a little slow sometimes, I had to think, what's an unrighteous law? And then I turn the news on, <clears throat> and I go, oh yeah, that's an unrighteous law. And it, it doesn't take long to find, okay, laws that are set by lost men of this world are at times unrighteous and immoral. And so Moses just reminds them, and he says this over and over and over again through these first eight verses, do what God has said, and he will bless you. But notice with me now how the first eight verses were all addressed to the nation as a whole. But then we get to verse number nine, the one we read together, and look at it with me. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently. Do you see the difference? It goes from the nation as a whole to the individual. Now, when the Bible does this and when the Word of God does this, we need to take note and say, okay, then what's the difference, right? Well, let's, let's kind of dive into these two phrases of the first part of verse number nine. And, and quickly here, it says this, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul. Heed and keep are actually the same Hebrew word. Now, I don't have enough in me to say it, but Trust me, it's the same Hebrew word. And here's, here's the, the bottom dollar idea, is to protect, guard, or attend to yourself and your soul, okay? 
So only protect, guard, or attend to yourself and your soul. And then the word diligently is a really, really interesting word. And the idea, the root idea of this Hebrew word is this, to turn or gather embers. Now, personally, I like fire. Anybody else like fire in here? Like to burn things? My wife grew up in northwest Washington, 60 miles north of Seattle. Um, up there, they're not Seattleites, they're uh, hicks, okay? And so they heated their home with a wood stove. Now, you need to take note of that before I tell you this story because it's embarrassing, okay? And you're allowed to laugh. So when we bought our house in Lubbock, uh, we bought it in, I think, March of 2017 or something, and we bought our house, and I had two, you know, your realtor always says, you need to have a list of things you want in a home. I had two things. I said an okay-sized yard and a fireplace. My wife had her list that made way more sense for a family and a home, and we got all of her things, but we also got an okay-sized yard and a fireplace. We bought our house in March, and then about six, seven, eight months later, a snowstorm hits Lubbock. Now, in Lubbock, when a snowstorm hits, everybody loses their mind. Is that how it is in Garden City? Or are y'all used to it? Okay, let's just compare notes, okay? I can already tell by the piles of snow in your parking lot, y'all do way better than we do, okay? So here, here in Lubbock, whenever it snows, everybody, or even the threat of snow, you don't even actually need it. Everyone rushes to the grocery store and they buy milk, bread, and eggs. Is that what everybody does here? We got a handful, somewhat? No, everybody's prepared. They got chickens and they'll just kill them if they need it, right? Okay, sorry. So everybody rushes to the grocery store, milk, eggs, bread. Everybody just, I mean, loses their mind. And since 2020, you buy those three things and toilet paper. Prior to that, we didn't know we needed it. Now we do, okay? That was a joke, y'all. Come on now. That was okay to laugh. All right, so we re-rushed to the grocery store after work. We got there late, and we had to buy, you know, the 2% milk instead of the whole milk. I know it's awful, but we did it. And so we got our milk, we got our bread, we got our eggs, but then we also went to the fruit, frozen food section because we didn't have children, and so we had money, and we bought ice cream and taquitos and, and all the frozen food, like pizza rolls that you don't need, but, I mean, if you're going to have a snow day, you might as well enjoy it, right? And so we bought all our groceries. We went home and went to bed that night hoping for snow. Wake up the next morning, and there's eight inches of snow on the ground. Now, for Lubbock, that's a lot of snow. Almost life-ending amount, okay? So we wake up, eight inches of snow on the ground. The world in Lubbock is shut down. The mail is hardly going to run that day. I mean, it's just reality. And so I turn to Callie, and I'm like, babe, we're not going anywhere today. How about you cook a hot breakfast, and I'll start a fire? She's like, yeah. So I go outside, I gra grab some firewood that I had left over from a youth activity, and I throw it into the fireplace, and I also had a stack of newspapers. We have uh, free newspapers in Lubbock called Thrifty Nickels. Do y'all have something like that around here? It's where everybody puts their garage sales and their things that they don't want. That's, so had a stack of those, and before you judge me and think, why did you have 150 free newspapers? 150 times free is still free, okay? So no judgment. All right, so... Had all these free newspapers, emphasis on free, and I start to try to get this fire started by burning through these newspapers left and right. I mean, I'm trying to get this thing started, trying to get it started, trying to get it started. 45 minutes to an hour later, 
My wife walks up and she says, hey, babe, would you like some help? And because I'm the spiritual leader of my home with the worst attitude you can imagine, I threw my hands in the air and I said, do whatever you want to do. Obviously, I don't know what I'm doing. And I walked away. Now, I didn't walk too far away because I wanted to learn how to start a fire because, you know, I was frustrated. So Callie kind of takes a couple of notes and she looks at the fireplace and she says, hey, Colin, uh, where's your kindling? And I look at her and I say, "Uh, what's kindling? And so she uh, explains kindling to me. I go outside, I find some, I make some. I don't know what happened, but I come in and she approves of the kindling I hand her. And no, I handed it to her because I have no idea what it is or what it's for. So she takes it, she puts it underneath the logs, and she says, hey, hand me one of those newspapers. I said, babe, listen, the newspapers are not working, okay? She said, just hand me one of the newspapers. I'm like, whatever. So hand her a newspaper, she takes it, she rolls it up nice and tight, she folds it a few times, and now it's not just, you know, paper that's going to incinerate in one moment of a flame, but it's a torch. She lights it on fire, and it doesn't burn instantaneously. So she takes this newspaper and she sticks it into the kindling. The kindling lights on fire and she is now light years ahead of anywhere that I had been. She starts to work that kindling a little bit and finally the logs set on fire and I'm like, okay, I got this. Which I, I know how to keep a fire going, right? You just put more wood on it. And so I am throwing wood on this fire left and right. I like my fire so hot that you, you almost feel like like a hot dog at a gas station that's been there too long, you know, and it's kind of, it makes you feel like one of these numbers. That's how hot I like it. So our home is probably 80 something degrees and we got the windows open. It's snowing outside, but we got a fire and it is ripping. Okay. Well, come to find out new homeowner, new, new to fireplaces, obviously you're supposed to have one of those little cage things or like an insert. We didn't have that. So when I wanted to go to bed that night, I, uh, I turned to Cal. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go to bed. She's like, we can't go to bed. She's like, well, I'm like, why? And she's like, well, uh, if we go to bed with a fire like that, we'll wake up dead. And I said, okay. So we stayed up really, really late, let the fire finally die down enough to where we felt like we wouldn't wake up in the presence of the Lord and moved on to the next morning. So we wake up the next morning. There's still like seven inches of snow on the ground. And seven inches of snow means there's probably seven more days of absolute shutdown of Lubbock. And so I turned to Callie. I'm like, hey, I'll just go make breakfast and I'll start a fire. She says, sweet. I was like, I'll go get some kindling because I know what that is. So she goes, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't need any kindling, Colin. I'm like, babe, you need kindling to start a fire. She, she says, no, just go get some firewood. So I'm like, whatever. So I go outside. I get some firewood. I put it in the fireplace. Obviously, I have no idea what I'm doing now because she's changing all of the rules from yesterday. So I'm like, okay, now what? <laughs> and she says, hand me that. And she points at what I call our medieval weapon. You know what I'm talking about? The fire poker. It's got a handle, a rod, a spike on the end. And what makes it medieval is the little hook, in my opinion, okay? So I have the medieval weapon. And she, I hand it to her because I have no idea what to do with it. And she starts to stir underneath those logs what I think are ashes, right? But come to find out, because I'm in southwest Kansas and y'all are way more... Uh, you could survive an apocalypse way better than me, you already know what's about to happen. She starts to stir what I think is ashes, and those ashes begin to glow because they're coals. And those coals get hotter and hotter and hotter as that oxygen goes across those 
up until the point where they're glowing red. And I'm thinking to myself, why didn't we do this yesterday? This is cheating, but whatever. Up until the point where they're glowing so hot, all she has to do is what? Blow over the top of them. And when she blows over the top of those coals, they go like that, and, we're, and we got a fire that fast, and we're not eating cold breakfast. I mean, it was an exciting day. I tell you that whole story to say this. When Moses said you need to protect, guard, or attend to yourself and your soul diligently, remember to turn or gather embers, it's this. You need to protect, guard, or attend to yourself and your soul like a fire. And the emphasis of fire in the wilderness is, is pretty important, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's, it's how they cook in the tent. It's how they light their tent. And yes, they had the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, but, but they needed fire for their personal use on a regular basis. And so they have their fire, and they have someone getting firewood. They have somebody watching it. They have somebody taking care of it. They have that person in the family that's, hey, you're the fire maker, okay? And so this would be a very important aspect of their life. And so Moses is using this illustration to emphasize this. You need to protect your soul and guard your soul and yourself like the fire you take care of on a regular basis, but then my question is this, why give that much attention to myself and to my soul? Look at the verse with me, verse number nine. Lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. So then my question is this, what had this group of Israelites seen, right? Think about it. If he's saying you need to protect, guard, or attend to yourself and your soul like a fire, because if you don't, you're going to forget the things that your eyes have seen, they must have seen something that had been important. Well, this group of people would have been in Egypt whenever they made the exodus. Part of this group of people would have been. So they would have seen the Nile River turn to blood. They would have seen the dust of the ground turn to lice. They would have seen the locusts fly into town. The, the frogs hop into town. They would have experienced the plague of darkness. They would have experienced the hailstones of fire. They would have seen the Egyptians walking around with boils from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. They would have seen all of these plagues and experienced the first Passover when the next morning the Egyptians woke up to one of their family members, the oldest son, passing away all across the nation of, Israel, or of Egypt. And they would have experienced exiting Egypt, singing songs to God, praising him for his deliverance. But then they would have also experienced getting to the bank of the Red Sea and saying, Moses, you brought us out here to die. But then they would have they would have been able to remember in their mind's eye Moses walking to the bank, putting his hand and his rod in the air, and a mighty wind blowing across the Red Sea, parting the water, drying the ground, and walking across the Red Sea. They would have remembered looking back and seeing the Egyptian army chasing after them, getting to the other side of the Red Sea and watching the two walls of water crush the Egyptian army. They would have seen miracle after miracle after miracle. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. The manna came every single day it was supposed to. Are you following me here? And he's saying, if you don't protect, guard, or attend to yourself and your soul, you will forget the mighty acts that God has done in your life. We didn't even mention the pillar of cloud or the fire, the pillar of fire or the cloud by day. We didn't even talk about the sons of Korah questioning God's leadership and questioning Moses leading the people and to the point where Moses said, okay, if you're going to follow the sons of Korah, stand way over there. And if you're going to follow God and Moses, stay right here. 
And when they all separated, what happened? The earth opened up and swallowed the sons of Korah, their, their wives, their children, and all their stuff and all their animals, and then closed up on top of them. Can you imagine mothers threatening their children after that? If you don't take the trash out right now, I've seen the earth open before. Can you imagine that? Look at verse 10 with me here quickly, and then I will get to some application of this, this thought today. It says this, especially the day that thou stoodest. Remember, essentially, remember the day, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb. When the Lord said unto me, gather me the people together. Remember verse number five, Moses would go to God and then Moses would leave the presence of God and tell the people of Israel. But here, God wants them to especially remember when he said, gather me the people together and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth and that they may teach their children. And ye came near and stood under the mountain And the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye, notice the language, you heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude, only ye heard a voice. And he, God himself, declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, even ten commandments, and he wrote them upon two tables of stone. (coughs) God wanted them to especially remember the day they heard the very voice of God speak to them. But if you've read the Old Testament like I have, very, very, very soon you get to the book of Judges, and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And then you get to the kings and the prophets, and there's one good king, five bad kings, one okay king, one really bad king, and back and forth and back and forth to the point where almost the Israelites are unrecognizable to the people that they're supposed to be, and the, their preachers are coming to them and saying, listen, God is, he is calling you to turn back to him, and he will forgive you. But the Israelites are denying, and they're not, and they, they, they want to throw Jeremiah in the pit, and they want to kill their own preachers, because somewhere along the line, there was a generational gap between the Israelites that knew and heard the voice of God and saw the mighty acts of God. There was a generational gap between this generation that knew and this generation that did not know. Because somewhere along the line, someone forgot. Since becoming a missionary, going to England, I I filter messages, how would I apply this to a British person? And if you've ever read Christian history, um, England and the UK, God used them as a lighthouse for the gospel around the world for years upon years upon years. Men that had British accents preached in our own country revivals that thousands of people were getting saved. Men with British accents went to Africa and were trailblazing missionary trails so people that had never seen someone that looked like you and me could hear the word of God preached. But now when you go to England, their, churches are, their church buildings are now restaurants and pubs. Uh, art galleries, photography studios, tech schools, offices, apartments, or just completely empty. Somewhere along the line, someone forgot. 
But before all of that, I'm also an American myself. And I look at our own nation's founding, and it's undeniable, in my opinion, that God was involved in our own nation's founding, and he has used America to send the gospel around the world. But I don't think our nation has completely forgot, but we may be in the forgetting process. And so the question is this, what's the remedy for national forgetfulness? Individual remembrance. Well, you say, what, is, what do you mean, Brother Colin? This is what I mean. That if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you've tried to serve him for any amount of time, you've seen him do some pretty incredible things in your life. But you say, I've never seen the Red Sea part. Me either. Oh, I didn't see the frogs roll into town. Me either. I mean, I'm glad I didn't. I hate frogs. But I haven't, I haven't seen it. I haven't had the cloud by day or the fire by night. I, I haven't had any of those things. And so you say, well, what kind of miracle then have you seen? Well, let's just talk about one that if you're saved, you've experienced. The Bible tells us that before we're saved, the Bible says that we're at enmity with God. Enemy. We're his enemy. That doesn't mean we're his friend. That doesn't mean the, the TV preacher that says, we're all God's children. I saw a thing by the Pope the other day. We're all God's children. No, if you're not saved and know Jesus Christ, you are his enemy. Okay. So if we're at enmity with God, that means we're dead in our trespasses and sin. That means we, we're, we don't have true life. Jesus said, I come to give them life and come to give them life more abundantly. That means before him, you didn't have it. And so we're at enmity with God. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. But somewhere along the way, someone came to you and said, hey, Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for your sins and mine. And the Bible says, today is the day of salvation for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can do that today. Someone along the line came to you and said something like that. And at the moment when you said, okay, I'm gonna, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you called on him to be your savior. Salvation isn't a process. It's not a class. It's not, oh, you have to be baptized and take this class and this. But the moment of salvation, when you trust on Jesus Christ as your savior, the only way to get to heaven, you go from being dead in your trespasses and sin, at enmity with God. The Bible tells us that he quickens us from the dead. He raises you from the dead, forgives you of your sin, wraps you in a robe of righteousness, and dwells you with his Holy Spirit, and it doesn't stop there, but he takes you from being his enemy, a dead enemy, and adopts you into his family and seats you at his table for all the blessings of being his child. The moment of salvation. And you say, haven't seen a miracle. Now, if you're in denial that you've seen a miracle, Maybe you haven't talked to the Lord about your salvation in a while. Or maybe you actually haven't experienced the salvation. But somewhere along the way, after you get saved, and after I got saved, can I say this? We lose the desire to obey. Right? We're all sinners. 
We got saved and our sins are forgiven, cast as far as the east is from the west, but we're not fully sanctified. So we have days where we want to be cranky, right? Okay, only me. We'll roll with it. And so the days that I just don't feel like obeying and doing what I'm supposed to do, you know what I need to do? I need to remember. Because if individual Christians would remember individually, you follow me here? It could turn an entire nation back to the Lord. But it starts with you. And if there's days where you're, you don't want to obey, stop and remember. Stop and remember. And remember your salvation. And remember the things that God has done and protected you from. If you've ever gone to college, you had a tank of gas that lasted way too long. Right? And, and if you've ever been driving down the road and the engine light comes on, you stop at a gas station and you turn it back on and the engine light turned off and you say, okay, the light went out or it's just fixed. Maybe you've had a health scan that was scary, so you got a second scan and they called you back and said, hey, you're totally good. There's nothing there. And we can name miracle after miracle after miracle because God is so good not only to save us from our trespasses and sin, but also to allow us to experience his blessings while we live on this earth as long as we obey. But we have to obey and we have to obey and we have to obey. And when you don't feel like obeying, can I? here's the thought of the message right here. You have to take your fire poker out. I wouldn't recommend carrying a real one, but maybe it's a pen. Maybe it's a verse taped to your steering wheel or the mirror in your bathroom. And you've got to remind yourself, you have to turn your fire to reignite the desire to obey. And it's amazing how when we turn our fire to reignite the desire to obey, we see more blessings from the Lord. And we see him work, and we see him work, and we see him work. So Fellowship Baptist Church, it's, in, it's Missions Emphasis Month, and you can say, I don't know about all this, Pastor. And you can question and you can think and in your heart of hearts you can go, I just don't know. Can I tell you this? That remember your salvation and know this, that there are billions around our world that need to know the salvation that you know. And it's amazing how when I first got involved in missions, I began to see God bless my life in different ways than he never had before. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy because the budget gets tight. And there's times where you got to stop and go, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to turn the Wi-Fi off? Or are we going to give the missions? Look, I've been there. I've been to that exact moment. But can I, can, I just, can I just encourage you that when that moment comes and you're questioning if you should be obedient, remember what God has done and allow it to stir within you that fire once again to know that God's so good. He's done so much for you. All you have to do Turn your fire, and it'll give you the desire once again to obey. And when you obey, you'll see him do amazing things. But you've got to remember. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word, and we're so thankful that you give us opportunity to know you and talk to you, see you work in our lives. And also, God... We're thankful that even after the moment of salvation, you are so good to us that you continue to work. Help us to remember. And Lord, if we've forgotten, help us to take a moment and talk to you about our salvation and how gracious and loving and kind and merciful you were to send your son so we would have the opportunity. Lord, help us to remember. And once we remember, reignite our desire to obey. In Jesus' name. Amen, Pastor. Amen.
Why don't you just take a moment and uh, honestly, the application and the, the call to action from our passage this morning is to stop and remember. So I want to give you 60 seconds, okay? And I want you to write down, type in your phone, a way that God has shown himself real in your life. And the passage also encourages us to talk to other people about it. Specifically, I think it's verse 9 or 10, with our children and our children's children. About everyone in here has one of those two around, right? Children or children's children. So take 60 seconds. I want you to write something down. Wait, God has shown himself mine. You could steal Colin's idea about salvation. I know so many of you have seen God work. Been so kind to you. Why don't you write that down real quick? And think about that. Think about his goodness. And then we'll close down the service here in a minute. Anyone going to eat lunch after this service? Who's going to eat lunch after church today? Wow, some of you are starving. I, I, I admire the discipline, all right? I want to encourage you to do this. I, I know this might be new or awkward for you, but why don't you, over lunch with your spouse or your family, someone have the courage to ask the other person a question, how has God shown himself mighty to you or to us? And just talk for like three minutes about it. Some of y'all have kids. You don't even have to involve them. Just but, but let them listen to what you're talking about. One of the best things, my parents weren't perfect. They weren't, they weren't sitting there reading the Bible with me every night. One of the best things my dad did was he, he, he talked about how good God was to our family financially and other things, and that helped me growing up. Uh, he didn't do everything right, but he did that one thing right. And so pass that on to your children, your children's children. We teach our kids values, but we need to also pass on memories not just the memories we have as a family, memories we have with the Lord and how he's been good to us. So I want to encourage you uh, to do that even this afternoon, okay? Let's get ready to take up the offering. So thankful for the message this morning, aren't you?